morning, Greater Alton. How's everybody doing today? Has anybody heard anything good this week? Any good news you're excited about? Anybody? What's the best thing that happened this week? Anybody? I got something in mind. Special contribution? No. That's not what I'm thinking of, bud. Andrea got baptized. Stand up, Andrea. Come on. Come on. You can do it. It's a very exciting night on Wednesday evening to watch Andrea make a decision. Uh, she's grown up here at Greater Alton, and I believe most everyone knows her. If you don't, uh, introduce yourself to her. I just want to warn you, she may not speak back. <laughs> but uh, she made a decision to commit her life to Jesus on Wednesday evening. And a very, very exciting evening it was. Uh, anything else happened this week? You're afraid to say, the special contribution happened this week, right? I would ask if anybody hasn't heard, but I'm just going to tell you in case you haven't heard. Last Sunday, we collected, counted, and deposited in the bank $324,346. And very, 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 very exciting day. We were, you know, we had three things in mind for this special contribution. The first one was to pay off our mortgage, which was $182,000 and change. And uh, I had the privilege of doing that Wednesday online. I made a few clicks, a few keystrokes, and poof, it's gone. Amen. Yes. Freeing up $6,600 a month for the church to use uh, to minister, to spread the kingdom. And uh, we have more. We had excess given in our plans for that, as we as we've already said, are first of all to fund our ministries so people don't we don't have to keep taking money out of your pocket uh for 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 a variety of things and ministries don't have to keep coming asking for money that we don't have um FYI if you're working on the uh uh fall festival I was at that meeting Tuesday night and you know you're talking about how to fund that there's there is going to be some money available for that we we didn't ask you to give give a big bunch of money last week and now ask you to take out more <laughs> from your pockets uh, for for the tree, for the fall fest, and so guys, it was a very very incredibly exciting time. Two wonderful events in this last week, and it's it's it's, it's just it's just it's just so cool. And guys, it's it's so cool from my, from my position as one of the three elders to watch it happen. And I'll be honest with you guys, I had the privilege, and I consider it a privilege, to enter into QuickBooks all of your deposits. Okay, and all of all of the checks that were given, and it was an amazing thing to watch. There were two highlights that I want to bring out without naming names because I don't, I didn't get permission. Okay, but there was a teenager who gave five hundred dollars of their own money. Teenager without a job. Okay, and then there was a yes, yes. There was another situation, you know, in the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about widows. And we don't have widows per se as much as what they did in that time. It's, it's society's different. We do have some. But uh, I believe that we have a, you know, other categories that fall into that. Widows in the, in the first century were women without a means of support. They were, especially if they did not have any children to support them, or their children chose not to support them, or were unable to support them, they were left to beg or to prostitution. That, that's, those were really their two options. Okay? 
And Jesus talked about that. He watched a widow give all she had and pointed it out to the apostles. And then later on, Peter, I believe it is, is talking to the church and he's talking about how, or James, talking about how to take care of the widows. Because they don't have anybody. They, they just depend on God. And guys, we had a, a, a situation like that. Today we don't, like I say, it's not so much that same widow situation. But single moms with kids, in my opinion, fall into that category. Not that they're incomeless, not that they have no means of support, but it's a challenge. Okay, we have women who have been, who are divorced and are still single. And I, one in particular, I know they gave money that they needed. It wasn't a lot, but it was just like Jesus and the, and the widow. And guys, very exciting for me to see that. And as I was thinking about this, and we're, this is what we're talking about this morning is, okay, what now? And you've probably already looked at the notes and on the screen. But guys, I want to, I want to read a passage to you. It's going to be up on the screen. And this is from 1 Chronicles 29. And this is what Jesus, or Jesus, uh, David had to say following the special contribution that they had at that time to build the temple. Just a little background. David wanted to build a temple for God because they were, God was living in a, what's called the tabernacle, which was essentially a tent. And he goes, he deserves better. And God says, I'm sorry, you're right, but David, you're not the one to build the temple because there's blood on your hands. You're a man of war, a man of blood. And so he said, okay, fine, but I'm going to get the money together for it. Okay? And after they'd gathered the money, this is what they said. It says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of our Israel. Okay, they've got, they've got their money and they're going, we're praising, we're giving, we're giving honor to God. We're recognizing God for who He is. From everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Lord, yours is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hand are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? You see that, guys? He considered it an undeserved honor to give to the kingdom. And guys, I want to let you know, we should feel that way. When we look at that $324,000, we shouldn't think about what we should, what we, let me just say what we should think about is, wow, we shouldn't be able to do that. But God, you've enabled us to do it. Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand. 
and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Guys, i got to stop right there. Do you realize that what happened here last week is an answer to David's prayer right there? Let me read it again. He says, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Guys, what we saw last week was, was a display of this prayer being answered. We saw the hearts of people recognizing that what I have came from God and we're going to return a portion of it for the advancement of His kingdom. And though we're not building a physical building like they were, guys, because the Bible tells us that we, human beings, that have chosen to follow Jesus, we are the temple. Collectively, we are where He lives. And guys, why did we give this money? Because we want to see that temple expanded. We want to see more individuals brought into His kingdom. And guys, I... I hope you're, I hope you're pumped. I hope you're juiced. I hope you're excited. I hope you're over the top. But I really pray that you, you're just looking at God. And guys, I, I came, I didn't come on this morning. This was in my research and I was going back through my notes this morning and I said, I gotta read this. We gotta, we gotta go through this together. Just to start the lesson because guys, it is such an amazing thing. And we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss it. Years ago, um, got a, I have a very good friend. Uh, his name's Dustin Bunting. Uh, some of you may remember him and his wife. Uh, their daughter, Leah, came here for college. And a lot of the college students were, know her. And uh, my wife and I were in touch with them. We went and spent the weekend with them a year ago over at their place north of Mount Carmel. And uh, years ago, after, they, they were over here. Beth, I mean, Dustin and his wife, Beth, went to school at SIU. And they, they were a part of us while they were here. And Dustin and I deer hunted together. And we, uh, anyway, we kept in touch. And, you know, every year we'd call, yeah, this is how deer hunting went. You know, oh, I killed one. This is what I got, blah, 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 blah. And one year he calls me and he is so excited. He's killed a huge buck. And I wish I'd have checked the timer on my phone. I wish I'd have done this because he went on about this kill and this buck and the one the week before he missed and told me everything about it. And I'm going to say at least 10 minutes. At least 10 minutes. And then he goes, but that's not the best thing that happened this week. And I'm like, what happened? You know, not that, did you really kill another buck? That's what I thought, because he's, what he's going on. Was there a bigger one you killed? He goes, my son was born this week. Now, I just had to lose it, and I've told this story over and over again, because that's, that's a typical deer hunter story right there. Killing a big buck is more exciting news that you, you lead with killing the buck before you say, oh yeah, I had a son. 
I mean, I mean, it was crazy. You know, another deer hunting story, just real quick. I love this story too. I, was, I had a friend. He killed the biggest buck of his life that morning. He was out helping me track a deer. This was back before the days when everybody had cell phone. It was the 90s. He did have a cell phone, but his wife didn't. So he needed to call her to tell her he, was, he wasn't going to be home right away. He's out tracking a deer with me, which we didn't find, by the way. And uh, so he's talking to her, and they're just catching up for the day. He's being a good husband, catching up for the day. And he's, he's wanting to tell her. He hasn't said a word about this deer. And he says, you know what I did today? And you know, he's wanting to tell her about this deer. And you hear him say, no, I didn't fix the toilet. You know, that's what she was looking for, him fixing the toilet. And he told her about the big old deer. Guys, sometimes we miss the really important stuff. Okay, we get focused on the wrong thing. Like my friend, can, can anybody here imagine talking for 10 minutes about a deer you killed? And then, oh yeah, by the way, my son was born. Can you imagine that? Guys, this contribution is something we need to be excited about. We need to look at and go, wow. And so guys, uh, as I was looking at this, Tim asked me to talk about what, did, what happened in the Bible after they took a special contribution. And so I lo- took a look at, at several stories in the Bible where they took up a special contribution. There's one in Exodus 32 through 36 where they took up a contribution to build the tabernacle. Okay? That wasn't the spe- first special contribution they collected though. There was one when they left Egypt. You remember that one? Remember that one, Bob? They collected gold from the Egyptians to get them out of town. They were recipients of it. And God moved. And they built this tabernacle. There's another story we just read in 1 Chronicles 29 about David collecting a special contribution to build the temple. And then there's one in uh, 2 Chronicles 29 and 30, which we're going to look at parts of here in a little bit, about where Hezekiah repurifies or purifies the temple. And we'll talk more about that. There's one in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 where they took up a special contribution for the famine. There's special contributions given in Acts 4 and 5 to help the needy among them. And guys, when you look at all these special contributions, I noticed four things about them. Those are in your notes. No, no blanks to fill in. But the first thing you see is a clear need. There's a need that is recognized. The second thing, we've already talked about this, The second thing is a contribution is collected. That's the second stage of it. The third stage is the work begins. And the fourth stage is the work is completed. Now today, we're going to talk about the third stage. And we're going to take highlights from the third stage. I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball now. If you want to put your notes, pull your notes out. You want to turn over to the second page. Okay, I got a wild hair this morning. Decided my points were in the wrong order. So we're going to start with point three and do point four and then go back to one and two. And we're trusting Trenton up there to get the PowerPoint right. He says he's got it. Took notes and everything. But guys, what what we want to look at is what happens after what took place in these stories. God's given us his word. He's given these details for a reason for us to be able to learn from. And this is what we want to talk about. So the first thing I want to talk about, which is really my third point, is that happens during stage three is that the actions of the faithful are prominent. I mean, obviously, guys, you see 
this faithful response when it comes to giving. There's a need presented and they say, okay, we want to be involved. And obviously people give, get, gave to that. And you see guys, I, I, I consider myself, I like to call myself a noticer of things. Okay? I, I do a, uh, I'm on Snapchat, uh, for all the young people in my life. Uh, they like my story when I go on vacation. And for, for you older folks, that's where you just post what's going on and everything in the last 24 hours shows up unless they save it. And uh, I like I like to just go on vacation and I like to notice things and I like to take note of them and I put them and they're just oddball things. You know, uh, like we went to it, went into a, a gas station up in Wisconsin and it's a quick trip, but it's a, with a K instead of a Q. Different company, okay? Uh, love it. It's just as good, maybe better than the quick trip down here. I know it's blasphemous, but it's a very nice place. And I'm going in there and I'm showing all the different stuff because I load this. I'm taking pictures. And then I go in the bathroom and I notice something. There's, I don't know, four or five urinals. And today, ladies, in case you're not aware, the urinals all hang on the wall. Okay. But when we were kids, if you go to an old school, you'll sign this. That sucker starts up about here and goes all the way to the ground. Okay. It's like an extra drain if the floor floods. And I'm going in there's, there's these, all, all the urinals are hanging on the wall except for one. And it's this old fashioned urinal. Okay. Boy, I got to put that in my Snapchat story there. You know, what's that all about? I went to Lambeau Field and it was the same thing. And there was like 50 hang on the walls and then four stand up. I don't know if this is for some of us old men that have a, have a mental barrier going in the new. I don't know what it is. But I noticed it. Guys, when I noticed, what I noticed when I went through these stories in the, in the Old Testament about these special contributions, I noticed two words jumping out at me. And they were the words willing and the words faithful. Willing and faithful. Specifically in Exodus 36, where it's speaking of uh, the contribution there. It kept saying, all who were willing gave. But it even includes it afterwards. Look at this in 2 Chronicles 29, 34. It says, the priests, however, were too few to skin all the burnt offerings, so their relatives, the Levites, helped them until the task was finished and until other priests had been consecrated. For the Levites had been more conscientious in consecrating themselves than the priests had. So you guys, a little bit of background there. They had lost. Well, let me just read it to you. Let me read this to you. Background here. It's going to be on the screen, not in your notes. It's in 2 Chronicles 29, verses 3-11. through 11. It says, In the first month of the year of his reign, we're talking about King Hezekiah, he opened the doors of the temples and repaired them. Opened the doors and repaired them. They had not been being used. People had Basically, you look at this and the temple had been used for other purposes, almost like it was a storage unit. It says, He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east side and said, Listen to me. Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors, 
remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook Him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on Him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that His fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him and serve Him to minister before Him and to burn incense. Guys, I read to that background uh, just to let you know what was going on here. Because what's this, what's this passage here in, you know, the first passage I read in, in 2 Chronicles 29, 34. He says there was too few of them to skin the burnt offerings because not enough of the priests had consecrated themselves. You see guys, what I just read to you, he called the priests to consecrate themselves. And when it came time to offer sacrifices, what happened? Not enough of them got busy. Not enough of them did. So what ha- how, how are they going to do it? How can they skin these animals? Well, guess what? There were some Levites who were faithful. They had consecrated themselves. They were more conscientious about consecrating themselves than the priests were. See guys, so they're hot, they they come into prominence. These Levites, they did the work of of holding the temple. The 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 priests came from the the tribe of Levi, but not all of them were priests. And here were guys just waiting in line to be faithful. Consecration, when when he says consecrate themselves, that's that's a religious term. It's not used very well much outside of Christianity. I don't believe. I don't know if I've ever heard it used, but it just basically means to set yourself apart. And specifically with regards to the temple, it means to purify yourself. Very short story, the temple is, you want to know what that was all about? That's considered God's space. And so they had to purify themselves. You know, where people were just declared to be unclean from like touching a dead body or a woman during her menstrual cycle. That wasn't Unclean does not mean sinful. It means they weren't fit to go into God's space. They had to be purified. Okay, and he gave specific instructions on how to go about that. Sometimes it was just a matter of time of being isolated so they don't make anybody else unclean. But Hezekiah is calling the priests to say, purify yourself, consecrate yourself so that you can go into the temple, so that you can offer these sacrifices, so that you can prepare the sacrifices. And not all of them did it. That's what, later on in the story, it tells them they had to hold their first festival two months late simply because not enough priests had consecrated themselves. But in this situation, guys, we're going to talk about that in a minute, the unfaithful in a minute. But what he, what, what's he highlighting here? What about these Levites? See, guys, their faithfulness came to the forefront. 
Their faithfulness was of a benefit to the kingdom. Let's look at this passage at the end of 2 Chronicles 29, verse 31. It says, Then Hezekiah said, You have now dedicated yourselves to the Lord. Come and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings. And all those who were willing brought burnt offerings. All those who were willing. All those who were willing. You see guys, right now, I think that needs to be what we we give some attention to. I don't care how much you gave. Small amount, large amount, I don't care. The question you need to be asking yourself is, am I willing? Am I willing to be faithful for the work of the kingdom? Okay, and we're going to be talking about that, what that looks like, I hope, in coming weeks. What, you know, to give you some specifics. But I can tell you this, we had, we had one scenario last week that came, came up to, uh, one, we have two scenarios, and I'll talk about one now and one later. Scenario happened after the, the, the bonfire celebration last week, uh, where somebody came up to, I believe, Alan, and said, Basically, I am so challenged and convicted by what was given. And then they went on to say, I've disengaged. I've been disengaged from the church. And as of right now, I'm re-engaging. And what they were saying, guys, is I'm willing. I want to be faithful. I realize where I've haven't, haven't, haven't been active for the Lord. And I'm gonna change that. That's the first thing. I wanna talk about. Second thing, guys, I wanna talk about is that unfaithfulness is also prominent. Okay? Unfaithfulness is also prominent. Second Chronicles chapter 30, verses 6, 10, and 11. This is what it says. At the king's command, couriers went throughout Israel and Judah with letters from the king and from his officials which read, People of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that He may return to you who are left, who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. The couriers went from town to town in Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun. But people scorned and ridiculed them. Nevertheless, some from Asher and Manasseh and Zebulun humbled themselves and went to Israel. Guys, can you see this? Both these passages, the first passage I used with the last point and this one, can you see the contrast? It's almost like it's a, it, it, it creates a dividing line in God's people. And on one side is those who are willing and are faithful. And the other are those who are unfaithful. They scorned and ridiculed them. They ridiculed them. I've not heard anything like that. Let me just be plain. No one's said anything to me. I've not heard of any, any ridicule being, play, being, being said. The closest thing I can remember is when we told somebody about it who wasn't going to be there Sunday night, they go, oh, that's with pledges, right? You know? 
which if you all know pledges, you know, people pledge money to churches and they never give the money or don't give all of it. That's typically what happens. And we've decided years ago, we're not going to count pledges. We're going to count just what was given. Okay, that's the closest thing I've heard to scorn and ridicule. But guys, let me tell you, wherever you are right now, you are being called to a level of greater faithfulness. You are being called to a level of greater faithfulness. And here's the situation. God does this through His Holy Spirit. He will make unfaithfulness prominent as well. That's what you see in these situations. In Acts chapter 5, you're probably familiar with the story. This is what it says. Now a man named... I'm sorry, background. I know I'm jumping around here. What's happened, these are the early days of the church. In Acts 4, it says that there was no needy among them. Because from time to time, those who owned land or homes would sell them and take the money and put it at the apostles' feet. That was, in, that was how chapter 4 ended. Chapter 5, this is what it says. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What's he saying there? You can do whatever you want with the money. Why would you come and pretend that you've given it all to God? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Now guys, it's very very interesting. We don't know how Peter found out about it. We don't know how it did. But guys, the point is very simple. These folks were flat out trying to hide their unfaithfulness. And we don't know all the particulars about it. I think the story is rather clear. It wasn't expected that they give it all. Because that's why Peter tells him, wasn't it at your disposal? You, couldn't you have done what you wanted with it? Why did, you know, basically you pretended to give the whole thing. And when he was asked, that's what they said later on, later on his wife, uh, comes in and that she's asked, is this the amount for the land? Yep, that's it. We don't know what, you know, they're wanting to look better than they want. They're wanting to hold on to some of it. You know, they want to look like all the other faithful people, but they want to hang on to some of it for themselves. I can't answer that. All I know is they're considered unfaithful. Why? Because God struck both of them dead. And guys, the question is, where am I at? What's my willingness? You see, because here's the truth of the situation, guys. The Holy Spirit will is either going to affirm us in our faithfulness and it'll be visible or He's going to convict us about our, our unfaithfulness. I don't expect anybody to come up here and drop dead. Alright? I'm not going to... I don't expect that. Nobody has asked me... You know, I told you earlier I had the honor of, of uh, counting all the money and uh, seeing whose is what. Here's the deal. 
Nobody's asked me who gave what. Nobody comes up and says, hey, how much did so-and-so give? Hey, what was the biggest contribution? Hey, none of that's been asked. And it's not going to be asked. All right? This is between you and the Holy Spirit. Your faithfulness, your willingness is going to come from the Holy Spirit. Just, just like that, that situation I told you about where somebody came up to Alan and goes, I've disengaged, I'm now engaged. What happened? They were convicted. Nobody confronted them. The Holy Spirit confronted them. And you see, guys, it's going on. There was another situation last week that Tim, Tim fielded, shall we say. Somebody else came up to Tim and just blown away with the amount. Could not believe that this church gave that much money. And they said, basically they started saying, I'm going to do these things. And what, what they were talking about is I'm going to use my skills, my treasures, and put them to work in the kingdom. Is what they were saying. Now what, what's implicit in that statement? What's implicit when they say, I am going to begin? I haven't been. I am going to begin to be faithful means they're acknowledging I have not been faithful. For whatever reasons, we don't, don't know the reasons, don't, don't, don't have to know the reasons. Guys, this is what happens after special contributions in the Bible. And it's going on right now. And guys, I want you to be aware of it. I want you to be aware of it. If you're on that position where you see yourself as being, having been unfaithful or you need to have a greater level of faithfulness, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to convict you somehow, some way. It may not be today. You may, the person may not even be here. It may be driving down the road listening to the radio, listening to some, maybe a, a Christian song, maybe a Christian speaker, and all this is going to hit you. Wow. Or how can I live a greater faithfulness? Okay? Now, back to the first two points. And these are brief, okay? My wife said she needs to be home by noon for the Chiefs game. Guys, the first... I'm going to call it the third thing that you see happening after special contribution is that people continued to give. People continued to give. The giving did not stop the day of special contribution. And guys, we, we, we've, we've already got that going on. I mean, we've had, we had somebody come up and say, hey, my check isn't hitting till whatever time I'm going to be giving. No, that wasn't counted in the total. That total of $324,346 is going up. All right? I was told afterwards somebody came up and said, this much more will be given. It's coming from over here. All right? I don't know about you, but I would like to give more. And so guys, it, it, the giving continues. Let's, let's look at this. And it's not just the money, as we're talking about. There's other ways to give. Okay? One of the things you'll notice 
in, well, it's, it's here. Let's, let's read the passage. Exodus 36, 3 through 7. It says, And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work of the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, The people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. They're bringing too much. We got enough. Stop it. And you know, you want to hear it talk about people being commanded in the Bible by another human being. Here's, here's your example of it. Then Moses gave an order. Okay? He's not a suggestion. He's ordering them. And they sent word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Guys, people continued to give. I don't know the circumstances. The Bible doesn't reveal it to it. I don't know if it's a situation where, hey, I don't get paid till Friday. I don't get paid till the 15th of the month and I'll bring it then. That's fine. I don't know if it's just like, oh my gosh, how much more can we bring? You know, let's just see this total go up. I don't know. But that is one of the things that happens after a special, after a special contribution in the Bible. The, third, the last thing they want to talk about, guys, is the work begins. The work begins. You see, guys, that's what comes next. You know that scenario I told you about where somebody said, I am going to do this, this, and this. They're saying, let's get to work. Let's read the passage. Exodus 36, verse 1. So Bezalel, O Eliab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Guys, the work has begun. The mortgage has been paid off. Technically, I like to be technical about these things. I'm completely honest. I paid it online and it just gives an estimated payoff. And I went back and looked at it two days later. Officially, we owe $2.35. On the mortgage. So, okay. I just like to be completely honest here. It's the accountant in me. Uh, but guys, the work begins. A few clicks, a few keystrokes, and the debt's gone. And there's other things already happening with regards to what we want. Tim and Al and I are already talking about funding, how we can fund these ministries and giving them money on a regular basis, on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, whatever, where they have access to it and they don't have to constantly be putting into their own pockets or asking the church, okay, with regards to the, the fall fest. Like I said, we're going to at the very least minimize what comes out of your pocket because that's an expensive event. And to be quite honest with you, some people are just going to still say, no, I want to pay for it myself. And guys, the work is going to continue. And I'm hoping that we are going to uh, continue to talk about this. I don't know what Tim has planned here on Sundays for the next several weeks. Um, Tom was texting me this week about the notes that y'all have. And he says, what's the title of the series? And I said, it's not a series, it's a one-off. And he's like, hmm, that's different. It may not be, Tom. Tim may decide to pick up on this. 
okay? But we didn't have a title for it, so. <laughs> Tom's a routine guy. He likes to follow, follow patterns, right? Is that fair? Yes. So I threw him off. You could kind of, I could look at that text message and just see his eye, his head kind of, kind of twitching. <laughs> Not know what to do. But guys, the, and, and one of the things I'm wondering is, okay, what does that mean? And guys, I'm just going to mention a few things that I see right now. Okay, you want to talk about what, what skilled labor do we have? I mean, because there's, there's, there's a, I guarantee you there are things right now, there are people in this audience that have a skill and experience that can be used to help somebody else. Whether it's somebody out of the kingdom and hopefully introduce them to the kingdom, or if it's somebody here in this room that can use your expertise. Whether it's budgeting money, whether it's how to build something, how to work on a car. Guys, those are all skills that can be used. But God, I want to tell you another skill that I believe we, we, we need to, how do I want to say this? We need more Bible teachers. We need more people who know the Bible thoroughly. You see, guys, it does no good to invite people to come to church if we don't have people to teach them. And to teach them accurately. And right now there's a lot of criticism from the world about what Christianity is teaching. And I'll be honest, there's some things that are taught that aren't right. And it may be that you're one of those people that says, look, I need to, I need to know. Guys, I'm in that boat. I started listening to his theology classes from Dr. Tim Mackey of the Bible Project. Very, very informative, interesting stuff. Applicable to today to answer the questions that, of critics and atheists and non-Christians have about the construction of the Bible. How it came into being. Guys, there's work to be done. And so guys, as we close out this morning, I hope you're pumped. I hope you're motivated. I hope you're affirmed by this special contribution. And I hope everyone is convicted to get to work. And willing. Willing. If I want to leave you with one thing today, I want, to, I want you to ask the question, am I willing? Am I willing for God to use me? Am I willing to be put to work somehow, some way? However I can, right now. Guys, let's be excited about the contribution. Let's praise God. Let's thank God. Let's high five. Let's pump it up. I love Gary Spurgeon came up to me today. <laughs> he was all excited. He goes, you, you, the pressure's off you, man. The pressure's off you. I wasn't feeling any pressure, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for the excitement. Guys, enjoy it. God is good. Reread that passage that I read in the beginning. I know it's not in your notes. It's in First uh, Chronicles 29. We're David, praise God, and understand that we're living this. Let's pray, and we'll be done. Father, thank you so much. God, it is, it is incredible to be able to stand here today after a Sunday like last week and to look at what you were able to achieve through your, through your servants. Father, I've always been a big dreamer, a, a big believer in what you could do. But Father, you still amaze me. And Father, I know that because your word tells me that you can do more than I ask or imagine. Father, you've done that for me personally. 
And Father, I pray that every one of us can embrace that promise and have that faith that you will do more than we ask or imagine and be willing servants to do what you need to get done. Father, you know I'm a big believer that you speak to each of us individually and you open doors for us individually that you may not open for anybody else. Opportunities to represent you in a situation that nobody else in this room will be in. And you're entrusting that to individuals. Father, it's my prayer, my desire that Greater Alton is full of faithful servants. Thank you that this faithfulness was seen last week. And it's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. When all is said and done and everyone is gone, Lord, you're really all I want. When the best the world has just leaves me feeling numb, Lord, you're really all I want. All that from your